Listen, you want to hang out tomorrow night? I'd, I'd love to. Maybe someone will come around that can help you out a little. I thought we could tell each other everything. You just need to open yourself up to it. I thought we were best friends. Nothing like a little friendly competition. Right, pal? And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, in a moment to tell you more about this exciting episode we have on deck for you today, dear listener. We are talking about the movie that we have hyped up quite a bit on this show, most recently with our buddy Eric Weber from AwardsAce.com. You've seen this movie all over his list. You've heard us talk about it with him. We are talking about the movie Rent-A-Pal. And more than that, we are fortunate enough to be interviewing one of the leads from Rent-A-Pal. Amy Rutledge is going to join us for another installment of MMO Interviews. And if you guys have been following the show, uh, you know that we're not necessarily an interview podcast. We'll have guests that we want to have on the show, and we'll interview people that we really respect and admire and are fans of on the show. This was a movie we've been kind of teasing you guys about for a while after the mid-year Oscars report with, with Eric there. We love the film. It's coming from IFC Midnight, and they've been... Like one of the go-to studios this year, number one. But also in the past three years, Mike, since we started our podcast, they've always been able to give us these like hidden gems, these these movies yeah. that we don't expect that are just not on our radar. Luckily, Eric brought this one to our attention. We were able to see it early. Thank you to IFC Midnight. Thank you, Tammy, at the PR company there. And we got to see this one early. It lived up to our expectations. And yeah, we wanted to, to interview Amy today because she's great in this. Yeah, there's any number of adjectives you could use to describe this conversation. I I mean, uplifting comes to mind. Serendipitous is another one, and it's also going to be a running theme throughout our conversation. Mm. Uh, It was just a joy to talk to Amy, to get to know her, to hear her story, her getting into the business, about her bio. She really pulls back the curtain of what happened on set in shooting Rent-A-Pal. We were very excited to speak with her at all, and we think it's an exciting interview for you to hear, dear listener. As always, it will be a two-part, a two-part episode we start with a non-spoiler section, so if you yourself have not seen rent to pal yet, you're not going to have anything spoiled for you in the first part of the interview. Uh, we will have a spoiler warning, as always, and then we finish off with a spoiler section. But a lot of topics covered. We are just so happy and excited for Amy and for this movie in general. We hope it rubs off, and you can hear that in our voices and in this interview for yourselves. But here is our interview, MMO Interviews, Amy Rutledge for the rent to pal movie. We will see you all on the other side. All right, on the line right now from Rent-A-Pal, Amy Rutledge. Amy, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Hi, th- hi guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on today. Amy, congratulations on uh, an incredible performance and an excellent film. Mike and I, we both love this movie, Rent-A-Pal. We loved uh, studying it over the past week. So I guess, uh, y- you know, you must have recognized as much at the script stage. So I'm wondering when you originally got hold of this script, of this project, uh, I'm guessing the subject matter might have worried you a little bit, but I think you know this. This must have uh, this must have been an obviously well composed script that uh, you you really wanted to attack. So, what what were your first reactions to this when it came to you? Yeah, I was. So it's really funny because I actually decided to stop doing horror films like literally <laughs> like that week and. <laughs> Just because I was going through my own, you know, mental health issues and I'm like, you know, I, I really need to step away from doing, you know, any dark sort of, you know, horror stuff um, just because I was getting like really bad nightmares, too. Oh, and um, it's so funny because they sent me the script over after I had uh, auditioned a couple times. Um, they wanted to see if I, I liked it before they offered me the job. And I was actually 
um, I had to work that night. I worked in a yoga studio and so I was working at the front desk. And so I was reading it in between the classes coming in and out. And I, I was reading it, reading it. And like, I didn't know it was a horror slash psychological thriller until like <laughs> the very end. And like, there was one scene where I was literally like, holy shit. <laughs> and out loud, like so loud, and people were in like doing yoga, and they definitely heard me because I had two classes on either side of me, like right there. And I was like, oh my god! <laughs> but it just like it threw me, and I was like, oh man. And then I was like, oh crap! Like I just said, I wasn't gonna do any of these stork films anymore. But I'm like, I have to do this film. It was so 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 good. This script was like so good, and they sent me, you know, kind of like the mood board with like the like prototype actors and like the costumes and like just like the coloring uh the color palette of like how the film would be and I was like I'm in I have to do this I don't care I have to go back on my word and (laughs) (laughs) and I'm really so glad and grateful that I did well yeah and you're fantastic and both Mike and I like Mike already said we we love this movie and it's getting a lot of a lot of notice uh, around and, and rightfully so I would say but you've mentioned in previous interviews as far as getting to this role you self submitted an audition for this film for the start and it sounds like they the people attached to the film and John Stevenson director John Stevenson specifically actually ended up pursuing you could you just recap that story a little bit and if that's the case also was there like an added pressure that you felt going in knowing how badly they wanted you for this role um yeah so like the first initial tape um I got the request and I was actually away in Vermont I was doing ITV fest one of my pilots um was up for awards and um it's a pretty notable um TV, um, you know, they have like people from HBO there, sure. and mm-hmm. all these buyers. And so anyway, I was talking with my director one night. We were hanging out after um, the uh, screenings and she was she's from Colorado. And I was like, oh, I really, I know I've always wanted to go to Colorado. It seems so beautiful. And I always want to go to Denver and Boulder. And I got home that night and I got the um, audition request and it was being filmed in Denver, Colorado. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. (laughs) Like, well, this was meant to be. And so I actually waited to the very last minute to get the tape in, like down to like probably the hour because I wanted to get home to my house in Jersey City and I wanted to wear those glasses that I wear in the film because I don't know, there was something about like, I have to wear these glasses for this audition. Like, and so, he had told me later on that they were like really worried because they didn't hear from me until like, you know, the very last minute and they thought I wasn't going to submit. So that was really cool. Um, and so they asked for another um, take the, the, the scene that we did in the roller rink, they asked for, to do that scene. And I actually had just come out of the hospital. I was in the hospital for a couple of days with a kidney infection. And I was like, oh, I don't even know if I can do this. Cause I was just feeling so horrible. And, um, and, uh, but I was like, you know what? you know, screw it. I'm just going to get the tape in. Like, however it looks is how it's going to look. And and that's it, you know? And so I really didn't think, you know, I didn't like really think like I was going to have like a shot at that point just because like, I felt like, you know, I was so rushed and like, I didn't have really time to like properly uh, prepare. And I just felt so horrible. And um, I'm sure I probably didn't look so great either. (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, finally I got a message, I think maybe that week or the week after through my website, and I guess John had a hard time connecting through my the, the actor's database that I had submitted to. They couldn't get a hold of me or they couldn't send a message to me. Hmm. And so he reached out through my site and like no one does that, you know. Right. <laughs> and I was like, 
whoa, they must really like me. Like he actually like went out of his way to like find me, you know, on my site and like write me a message through there. And they were like, you know, we really want to get in contact with you. Like, please, please call me or please, you know, email me. So was that process that he went through? That's like atypical for you. That's not usually how you've landed most of the gigs. You know, I usually you go through agents and stuff. And right. so um, at the time I didn't have one. And so like that was pretty impressive that, you know, that I got this big of a um, a role in like a film through just like submitting myself, you know, not even having anyone like, <laughs> like vouch for me or like pitch for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then usually, you know, you just communicate through like the acting database. And I don't know what happened there. There was like a glitch or whatever it was. But um, yeah, that's when I knew I'm like, Oh my god! I think I got this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then he, and the, they sent me the script, and then I read it, and I was like, "All right, I have to do this role." And then he skyped with me, and that's when he told me that I actually got it. I thought I was gonna have to go through like a bunch more uh, auditions. Usually, you go through a couple rounds of like callbacks and right. you know, all that. So, yeah, I was really excited. Obviously. <laughs> well, like we've been saying, I mean, they chose wisely. It was Absolutely. a great fit for you and for this movie. And I kind of want to dive into that a little bit here because like we're always fascinated by uh, an actor's process because you guys have such a strange job where you're storytellers on the one hand and you got to be, you know, cognizant of your role as storytellers, especially in a movie like this, where your character of Lisa is just so pivotal to the plot. And if you screw it up, Amy, if you screw it up, the movie screwed up. <laughs> that didn't happen. It's a very successful performance just in keeping us guessing right. about that third act, etc. So I'm wondering, you know, how do you approach a role like this where you understand, you know, your role in the, in the overall, but you also got to keep the main thing the main thing and ground yourself in a scene-by-scene -scene approach or ground yourself in a moment-by-moment -moment approach and being authentic in that way. Well, what's your process going into something like this? Yeah, um, I, so, oh, that's a good question. It's tough. No, no, it's, it's, well, so I actually. Explain to me acting. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, you can start from the beginning, that. right. <laughs> How does one um, act? <laughs> Yeah, I well, so I guess I should say that I was completely already infatuated with the character from the first audition. So, like, I already knew what I wanted her to look like. I already knew that I wanted her to wear those glasses and I wanted her to have my curly, frizzy hair. Um, and I think, um, you know, getting the lines down, of course, is always, you know, number one priority. But, like, making sure – so, like, when I do my lines, I actually – I like get them into like my subconscious. So like I'll work out or like I'll run and like mm. listen to them. So I know them like internally, like so, so deeply, you know, mm. um, you have to be careful with that too, though, because there, there might be like rewrites or which there actually was, um, some rewrites like the day before I was supposed to film, I was getting on the plane and they were like, Oh, by the way, we changed this entire scene. I was like, Oh, oh, geez. <laughs> um, but it was fine. Um, and then I actually worked with an acting coach. Um, her name is Pam Scott. She's a really wonderful human being. She's actually Julia Garner's um, acting coach from the Ozarks. She helped me kind of just like go through the lines. And I guess I should say there was a lot of me that I felt already was in Lisa. You know, I really connected and I really related to her on a pretty deep level. And I had so much compassion for her right off the bat. And I think that definitely helps when you can have compassion for your character. Right. So she helped me and we did, I did a couple exercises on my own. She told me to, you know, make my own dating tape just to like get a sense of that like awkwardness. And it really was. And that really helped me. I made like 
my own video dating tape for myself, like for Amy. And um, it just really helped me get in that space of like that awkward, I've never done a dating tape before in my life. So that was like a perfect exercise for me. And then I also, you know, I usually go um, seek out situations and experiences so that all the lines are really truthful for me. So for instance, Lisa works in a, um, she works as a caretaker and she works, or she volunteers in the senior citizens home on her free days and so i i do volunteer and i volunteered a lot through um new york cares but mostly with kids and so i was like well i'm not sure what this experience is like to you know be around seniors even and so i i signed up for this day of helping seniors with their electronics so i went in and i helped this woman with her like laptop and her gmail and her cell phone but it was just such a beautiful uh joyful experience and and she was just such a wonderful, beautiful human being. She told me all these stories about like her life and World War II, and it was just so uh, meaningful to me. Wow. And so when I was saying those lines about, you know, these people are so rich, <laughs> um, their histories are so rich, and like it, that was a real, that was real for me to actually say that because I could just think of this woman. I think her name was like Drora. Mm-hmm. And I think she was from Germany and um, and, and just like so being able to say the lines and, and them actually being um, very authentic and truthful for me in real life is also really helpful. You know, also getting into the costuming always makes me feel good, like wearing the shoes. And I kind of like figured out how Lisa walked and like when she's walking up to meet him for the first time, she's kind of very shy and timid and taking these little steps. And also her voice. I So I have like a really low voice. And so when I get nervous, it like gets a little higher, but, um, for her, I'm like, she can't have this low, deep voice. Like it has to be like, I don't know. It it seems more friendlier, I guess. Um, I could say like for her voice to be a little higher. Um, so all those things like put together and then also meditating. I meditate a lot and, um, I'm also a meditation instructor. And so I think Mm -hmm. that has been a game changer for me in my acting, um, and in life really just being able to kind of like, Woosah <laughs> and uh, get in kind of like a Zen state before you film is so helpful and important. It's really crucial, actually, actually, because then you can kind of, you know, what you came to do, you know, like your value, you know, like you have like this confidence um, and you can like kind of clear your head of all those limiting thoughts and like kind of like your ego mind coming up to be like, you know, oh no, you're not good enough. Or, you know, like sometimes uh, when you get a first job, it's always like you kind of have imposter syndrome. Right. And I feel like a lot of people probably have that, like anytime they're starting anything new. Um, but it kind of just clears that all, like all that junk out of your mind. And um, so you can just like move forward and, and be, f- it's freeing really. And it kind of just like flows. Like there's something that kind of flows through you and it's mm-hmm. kind of magical. So, well, there was certainly an authenticity and you could tell that the prep work you did, I mean, that you, you felt like you were actually Lisa. And I think that's why we're so enamored with your performance and it actually helps the movie at large, certainly as well. But as mm-hmm. far as, and, and we, we did our research here. We, we, we kind of, we knew you had mentioned in a previous interview, how you, you had the mood board and you were, you did all the, the meditation and the yoga and also that you help the seniors with electronics so you can relate to the character better. Is this kind of like the most meta preparedness that you took upon yourself to do for a role or is there anything similar that you had done in your career that like you had taken to such extreme to relate to a character for anything you've had to play before? This might have been the the one that I did the most I would say. I mean the video dating profile isn't something every actor does to prepare for a role let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah no and I was I can really thank Pam for that because I didn't even have that idea and she was kind of like it's great to work with someone to bounce ideas off of too you know there was a time in my life where I had like this ego and I was like well I can do it on my own and I don't need help but like that's like kind of like the wrong attitude I think like it's 
it's okay to like bounce ideas off of people and get, you know, inspiration from other people, especially right. in the business. And so, yeah, I think this is like the biggest um, steps I've taken. Um, I do do my research on all roles, you know. Right. You know. Sure. Uh, well, it's, I mean, whatever you did to prepare for this certainly paid off in spades. And you actually mentioned uh, Lisa's dress and finding the character and how she looks. And you mentioned wearing the glasses that were your own glasses. I have a very specific and particular and borderline ridiculous question about Lisa's dress. <laughs> Who is responsible for the most acid-washed, acid-washed jeans that I've ever seen on screen. Were those yours? Did they have to make... You can't find acid wash like that in 2020. Oh, God, that's so funny. Um, Brandon Fryman, he is the was like the production designer. He did the costuming. He, he set-dressed the sets, and he's just amazing. And he, he just... I can't, like, speak highly enough about him he's just such a good dude and so they actually went out and I, they found them in like recent day no, like that's impossible i'm not gonna have you come here and lie to us like this uh, amy <laughs> i feel like they went to like walmart or I, I i feel like they went to one of those kind of stores like kmart or and they found them and they were just so perfect yeah and yeah, so they, the, the dress is nailed in lisa's character absolutely yeah thank you and i so they actually sent me the costume, that costume, that costume with that high-waisted, like, acid wash <laughs> jeans and uh, the, the striped blue turtleneck. Um, mm -hmm. They sent mm -hmm. me in the mail as a surprise, and I, like, cried when I opened <laughs> it. I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and I kind of wish I remembered I had it because <laughs> it was so long ago they sent it. I'm like, I should have worn it. I went to the drive-in theaters to watch it on Saturday, and I'm like, I wish I would have worn that costume there. <laughs> But I think Mike and I are pushing you on the gene issue because we're trying to get you to admit that you stole our aunt's genes and you used them for this movie. Because, yeah, it took us back to 1990, Absolutely. you know, with those genes that were bought from 1988 or whatever. But all right. So you're you have your own glasses. You're yep. in my aunt's jeans. Yep. And you're on the production set. You're working with John Stevenson. What is it like to work for? A John Stevenson production here. How did the shoot go? Can you t maybe tell us a few production stories? Yeah. So, um, but I do want to note that I'm legit wearing Z Cavaricis right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're th you're true thespian. You live the part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I would be wearing acid wash jeans just in my daily life. Um, but yeah, that the set experience was just magical, and I don't even have the words for it, just because it was so freaking amazing and every single person i was just blown away even before i even got there i felt so safe and valued and i felt like just that i already knew all these people because i was getting emails from you know the producers annie and uh jimmy the makeup artists and brandon for the costuming and the, you know they needed my sizes and all that and with john too like the from the moment i skyped with him that he told me that I, I had gotten the part. It's like I knew him already. I, I felt so confident. I felt so comfortable. Mm. Uh, he's just such a joyful, fun, happy, just creative, freaking brilliant guy. And it's like I got little signs through all, all, all throughout, all throughout even the beginning and then through the end. Like like I told you about the synchronicity, about mentioning the Denver thing and mm -hmm. then getting that you know, audition that like two hours later from Denver, Colorado. And, you know, even I was watching Stand By Me on Thanksgiving. 
And <laughs> I had no idea that Will was going to be in this movie. And oh, wow. So I was looking him up, and I'm like, oh, God, this movie's so good. <laughs> and that week later, or maybe it was a month later, um, you know, John picked me up from the airport when I arrived in Denver. He's like, hey, I have some good news, but we can't tell anyone yet. Um, Will Wheaton is going to be in this film. And I was like, come on. <laughs> like, I just was watching that, like, it's just like there were so many magical things that had brought everything together. And I heard that a lot from all the other people on set too, the cast and the crew, that there were so many synchronicities. And I just knew right away, I'm like, something very special is going to be happening here. And um, on set, you know, everyone is just so kind and considerate and grateful, you know, just to be there. Everyone was so excited. We were laughing a lot. You know, it's such a dark film, but like it never felt like that or heavy on set ever. So I ended up, dig- I did get sick the one time um, before I flew out. One of the makeup artists was like, look, like, just so you know, like, there's a, such a thing called altitude sickness. Hmm. And I just want you to be aware. And like, you're going to be dehydrated. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I didn't even consider that. And right. so the one scene when we're driving around and like, you know, we had to be pretty like high energy and like, we're, we're nervous. And, you know, he's like whipping the car around. And we did that a couple times. By the time we got out, I felt so sick i i actually like kind of passed out and I, I was like really woozy when i got out of the car and um one of the guys i think or a couple of them like ended up catching me and Jeez. carrying me into carrying me into the house and i just i felt like i couldn't breathe and i felt like nauseous and like i just oh couldn't God. function <clears throat> and i was like so dehydrated the entire time there just because i wasn't used to like the, the altitude and like the dryness in the air and the next day we were supposed to do the big finale and they're like, we can't have you do this. And I felt horrible. I'm like, no, like we have to do this scene. Like, what are we going to do? You know, it was like the last day of filming and they're like, listen, you need to rest. And so they flew me out again um, in February then. Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. So that we could mm-hmm. do that scene. And then that time I was fine. I was like working out and like, I was like prepared and like, I was completely fine. Um, so actually, I wasn't supposed to be out there two times. It was only supposed to be that one. But because I got sick, everything kind of got, you know, messed up. But I think it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. And, you know, things always work out the way they're supposed to. So, um, but yeah, it was fun to work with Kathleen and and Brian. They're they're hysterical together. Like, they're unbelievable. Um, in between takes, they're doing, like, shows. They're doing, like, you know, their dialects <laughs> and singing and, like, dancing. And <clears throat> they're just so unbelievable. I think you need to lead with the, I did this, I put forth this performance while I was suffering from altitude sickness because that makes that, <laughs> the appreciation that I have for your performance now, knowing that you had that to deal with that in your real life, it's just, it's unbelievable. You were able to put forth what you did, having all the ailments you were up against at the time. That's that's incredible. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was a little challenging. <laughs> <laughs> But we love learning uh, these stories behind the stories. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love these episodes, Mike, because we get to to, to learn those production mm-hmm. stories. And Absolutely. you guys had to bond so quick. You had to go through the ringer to get this movie made. And yet, like you said, it's a horror movie. And yet you're having so much magical fun on set, which is strange because we, we you know, we talk to a lot of people and they're they tend to have like uh, the goofier experiences or the crazier experiences on, you know, genre pictures. And then the heavy, you know, the comedies, they're more straightforward for some reason. I don't know why that is, but I guess it is. <laughs> you guys are a fun group actors, I guess. Anyway, I'm rambling. I do want to ask you about releasing a movie now in, in our current times. Uh, you have this group of close knit new friends that you made in the cast and the crew 
Have you guys been able to watch it together somewhere? You kind of mentioned that you saw it at a drive-in. Have you watched it with family or friends? What did you think of the movie when you finally saw it? Yeah, I um, so I didn't get to watch it with them. Uh, they were going to fly me back out for like the premiere and like a watch right. party and all that. But of course, you know, we can't. So that was a little disappointing because I was very excited for that. And I was really ex- happy and excited to be in Denver again and to like see mm-hmm. everyone, give everyone hugs, you know, and, um, you know, and I'm far away. So I'm, I'm in Jersey City right now and they're in Denver. They're all in Denver. And I think Will is probably I think he's in California. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have been able to connect through Zoom. So once we got the news that IFC um, acquired the film, we had like a little Zoom like kind of party just to like give each other a virtual high five and, you know, celebrate and and cheers to each other. Um, That was back in May. And then so I finally got to see the film on Friday and me and my family, we set up this whole screen and projector in the backyard and had like. You know, eight to ten family members come, and and so that was really exciting. Awesome. We, my cousin, got like a real popcorn maker, and oh, that's so huh. cool. Yeah, so I mean, it was still like really exciting and special, and I actually almost felt like it was more special than having to go to the theater just because we right. were on the stars in my childhood home, and that's what you know my dream since I was like literally three years old, and here we are, like I'm celebrating, and and I have like my very close family members, and they've all been so supportive and. Um, it was a little awkward because there's some moments where it's like not family <laughs> friendly and I'm just mm-hmm. like cringing and like, you know, just crawling up in my skin and I'm like, sorry guys. Like, I think I said sorry out loud like three or four times. <laughs> They're like, it's fine. Like, don't worry. And then I did the same thing because on Saturday we went to the drive-in theaters. It was Fair Oak um, drive-in in, in Middleton, New York. And they were so freaking cool, man. I called to tell them that I was coming because I wanted um, to see if I could buy like tickets for everyone ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And they just like let me and like every all our cars in for free. They were oh, like, you awesome. don't pay for anything. They like hooked me up with all these treats and they had like two screens, but one was like a giant one. And mm-hmm. they switched the film to that screening. So we had like this huge... Oh, you know, that's I saw so a cool. huge head on that film on that screen. <laughs> you got I, the you I, got the star, you got the Hollywood treatment, the red carpet treatment yeah, in your own way. Yeah, it was cool. And like the kids working at the concession stand, they would like one by one like creep up like throughout and be like, Can we get our picture with you? And it just felt like Aww. it was just so sweet and I just felt you know, it was just such a joyful thing. But, you know, my dad and my stepmom and my brother came along with some friends and again I was like, Ah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot more people are going to be asking you for pictures after this, too. I, 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 this is just something I've always wondered. Do you know in the moment on set or at the end of filming or at the end of principal photography or anything, do you know you're, you've just, you're on the verge of something kind of special here? Does anything like feel different about this standing out from other things you've, you've done? Or like, do you know this because this has the potential to be something really, really cool? Yeah, absolutely. I and I think it was because of all those synchronicities um, that had happened, and I just knew, even just from reading the script, even from dealing with them, and you know, all the thing I told you with Will, like I'm watching Stand by Me, like right before, and yeah. I just knew, and being on the set too, just like with all that good energy, I'm like, there is no way that this is not gonna do well, and um, even I think it was like it was months after, and I was back in New York, and. I, I like to ask for signs sometimes, mm-hmm. especially if I'm feeling like a little down or if I feel like, you know, things aren't really going well. I'm like, you know, can you just give me a sign that like, 
like <laughs> something good's going to happen or something good's going to come my way or, you know, what I want is on its way to me. And so I, as soon as I said that I got off the train and I saw this girl wearing Lisa's coat, the blue puffy coat when they're in the car. And I'm like, huh. come on. I'm like, wow. holy shit. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can swear on this. Of course, but... You could say whatever <laughs> you want. <Swear> away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, like, this is it, like, something, you know, and I just, like, felt really confident about that just because of, like, all those signs that I was getting. I just knew it. That's so, that's so, so cool. The universe was pointing you in a certain direction from the whole way. So you mentioned already in passing, like, this is what you wanted to do from the age of three years old. You wanted to be an actress. Is that true? Like, you were that young and you remember thinking this is what you want? Can you just talk about your desire to wanting, we'll kind of get into your origin story, your desire to wanting to be in this industry and how you first knew and what your, what happened there? Yeah, I, um, it's kind of strange. And I feel like a lot of people maybe don't have this experience when I talk about it. They're like, what? Yeah, right. You know, like, there's no way you knew (laughs) at that age. But I have the kind of this photographic memory um sometimes is not such a good thing but (laughs) sometimes it can be a really great thing um and so i remember at this time period which was the same age that i would have been we were um my parents had separated and so i was staying a lot with my grandma and she's an amazing musician she's a, a fantastic pianist and so right you know from the start we were um you know really exposed to such beautiful music and artists and she would play movies for us and you know we would watch um the sound of music and that's my earliest memory um of you know standing up on that chair on the table where we were were watching it like around like the dinner table me standing up and like belting out all the songs and just (laughs) feeling that magic that I still feel to this day even like right now as we talk about it and when I'm on set and like it's just this feeling inside of me that's always been there And I remember, you know, lining up like all my little teddy bears and like my Barbies and just I can picture even like the the basement like bedroom that we were in and like me just like kind of doing that on my own and and just always watching like even like the 80s films like my mom would watch Dirty Dancing a lot. We watched The Labyrinth and Never Ending Story and just always so deeply, deeply, deeply desiring to be in that magic like I knew it was magic from watching it and like that feeling inside of me like I've always had that even from that early of age and it was just something that I had always wanted and no one in my family was into like film or you know any like you know no one was like an actor and so it kind of was like a magical thing that kind of was like a seed was planted very very early on and Mike I'm getting goosebumps listening to her like this lifelong dream come true this is like a Hollywood story in its own right (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no question. I, I, I'm going to cry. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you so badly today. I think, you know, you've overcome so much adversity in your life and career. And you've mentioned in passing a couple of different things, but you had that magical beginning and you've kind of, you know, fearlessly just been, devoted yourself to this meditation. You mentioned before meditation has been a saving grace for you and, Another reason that we've we'd love to learn about you and preparing for today's interview and, and after this movie is that you've shared that saving grace with others as a meditation instructor. So can can you talk about like the impact that this practice has done for your career and how, you know, helping others has helped you and and, and the, kind of the whole circle of uh, beautiful goodness yeah. that you've created with this 
meditation and basically convince Mike and I to meditate because we probably need it very badly. Well, first of all, it's your superpower. <laughs> like literally legit gives you superpowers. I'm not even kidding. And like you don't have to take my word for it. Like if you just start practicing, um, you can actually go on my website. I have some meditations there if you want to get started today. So I think it's it's www.meditatewithamy.com and you guys can listen to like my two audios and like my video on there. Um, I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, just to get you started. <laughs> I'm gonna t- I'm gonna seriously take you up on that. Yeah, and then let me know in like a couple months, like when for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started meditating because so I actually grew up next to a Buddhist learning center, um, oh, and wow. so yeah, and I actually met the Dalai Lama, and so I've always been very oh. interested in that way of um, living and you know the 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 philosophy of it all, sure. and you know being on that ground as as growing up. And even now to this day, it's also very magical for me. Like it's very soothing and peaceful. And I feel like every time I go, I'm like my soul and heart is like recharged. So I was always interested in it, but I, I, you know, I don't like pray growing up and, but then I really didn't get into it because I I actually was sick for 10 years of my life and I was, I had Lyme disease, I had Bicia and Bartonella and um, there, it was extremely you know, horrific for me. And, and I was getting mistreated and I was getting misdiagnosed left and right. And then just people telling me, you know, it's just like in my head and it was very, (laughs) it was very hard. And, um, so finally, you know, someone had given me a book and I think it was, uh, you can heal your life by Louise Hay. And that book freaking saved my life. (laughs) And she (laughs) talks about the use of, you know, how you can heal yourself through like self-love practices basically and meditation. And at that point I was like, literally willing to try anything just to Mm -hmm. get better because I was hopeless at that point. There's no cure. And, um, you know, no one was really helping me. No, if no one knows what to do, they kind of just throw medicine at you and they're even worse. Oh man, really? Yeah. I, it's a long running thing. I've had this uh, medical issue of my own and we could, we could talk about it off mic, but yeah, the audience already knows, but I've been through the ringer myself with a long-term chronic pain for about a decade now, better part of a decade. So yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. I'll have to like to 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 listen to your. No, we, we I I'm more than open about. It. I'm more than happy to talk with you about it off mic if you'd like to. But yeah, it's just yeah. uh, it's been it's, it's been a saga, so I can relate absolutely, and I know exactly what you're talking about when you talk about the frustrations dealing with the medical field when they kind of throw your hands up. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's 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 horrible. And yeah. anyway, that's a whole other thing. But um, <laughs> um, I started to meditate because someone sent me the Deepak Opera 21 Day Meditation Challenge, which they give for free every couple of months and it's usually a different topic and it's really lovely. I really highly recommend it actually. It was how I started meditating and um, I found it really accessible and easy for me. And so I started meditating and I started and I started doing the self-love exercises like affirmations and stuff, which I never really believed in before, but man, they really, they change your, um, you know, limiting beliefs. They change, you know, your subconscious beliefs about yourself. And um, I've had major shifts like in miraculous ways. You know, I, my relationship started changing. My outer world started shifting once I started really loving and caring for myself and taking time to quiet my mind and meditation and starting to believe that actually, you know, miracles are possible and that I could heal and believing that I, be- I, des- I was deserving and worthy of a, you know, a good and healthy life. And that changed everything for me. I started to believe in myself. I, my confidence grew. Um, I started um, attracting you know, healthier, positive friendships, mm-hmm. um, romantic partnership, um, 
people that would help me in my healing. It was just amazing. So do you find yourself bringing that to set with you? I mean, do you find yourself, if if things are getting frantic, you find time to just sit in a corner and meditate or sit in a trailer somewhere and find your own space? Yeah, absolutely. I have to. It's 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 like imperative and it's crucial for me um, because, you know, like the ego mind likes to come up and be like, you know, you're not good enough or what right. do you think you're doing? Like how, you don't deserve to be here. And that's like all limiting beliefs that we've been planted since like childhood. And I think a lot of us, you know, suffer from that. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, like you can change your whole life with your thoughts and your emotions and taking time just to quiet your mind and to just be quiet and soothe yourself in that way. Um, it's been life-changing for me. I think it's why, you know, I booked the role and, you know, I think that's why, you know, things are going so well right now too for me. Um, and I healed. So I received miraculous healing for something that doesn't even have a cure, you know? So I mean, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Thank you. Well, there's also this dichotomy. I mean, you're this you practice these holistic uh, practices and you find your center and you're very at peace with everything. And yet you find yourself and you, we mentioned it up top and you said you wanted to kind of veer away from it in your career. But uh, rent is a horror thrillers type of movie and you, you're this mm-hmm. p- peaceful person, but you find yourself in these horror roles. Was that just by happenstance throughout your career? Did you actively pursue horror? Did horror play any role in your either in film fanhood growing up or was it just where you found yourself starting off in in your career yeah i loved i loved horror films and i was watching them from very early on which is probably not healthy but i think my (laughs) my dad had me watch jaws when i was like probably six years old um we would go to like sleepovers and we watched like halloween and i was very very young um but there was something about that i liked that excitement um, it's funny because now that I'm like older, like I can't watch horror films. Like they, I will have like such horrific <laughs> nightmares. And so, um, I also have PTSD. So I should probably mention that because that uh, also, I think tickle, t- took a lot of, you know, it, that was, I, I was like, you know, I need to kind of focus on more positive sure, things. Sure. Um, but when I was earlier on, I didn't realize, you know, that it was going on, but I, they got, just kind of came to me and I was actually really excited about it. Cause I got to do these you know, like when I was younger, people would be like, you know, oh, you're going to play like the girl next door or like <laughs> the, you know, like just things like I didn't really want to play. Like I wanted the gritty, dark, very, you know, textured and layered characters that had like a real mm-hmm. you know, depth to them. Sure, and yeah. I feel really lucky that I've been able to play like some really dark, interesting roles with like, you know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of characters that have um, mentally, emotionally unwell and kind of have like a you know freak out breakout yeah. you know scene at the end. That's happened. That's happened a, a lot. And but I'm really proud of that. And I'm like glad that I'm not kind of like in this little box that anyone wants to put me in. You right. know, like I've really been able to play the roles that I've wanted to. Um, and I think dealing with like the pain and suffering that I have physically, mentally, emotionally have really added. Like I, I've really been able to use that with the, with these films. Um, and so it kind of makes me happy because it's like well. You know, I have all this suffering and things that I've dealt with, but I'm, I'm able to use it in a positive way where I can, like, really release <laughs> any sort of, like, anger or, like, you know, frustration or all of that. Like, I get to get it out, and it's, it just it feels really good. So um, I would like to play a little more lighter of, of things, but, you know, we'll see what happens <laughs> in the future. I'm not going to turn anything down, you know, if I like the character and I like the story and I think it's going to be something really special. Like, I'll definitely do it. Um, and I had a lot of fun creating those horror films, you know, for the one I got to get life casted by th- this team that was on there from Pittsburgh and they, they were on the sci-fi uh, mm-hmm. face off and 
they were just like really awesome. So I got to have some really, really cool experiences that I, you know, normally wouldn't have had. And that's exciting for me. And I, I feel like I like to say I'm a good screamer. So like, I feel like I do well. And like, <laughs> I was seriously got no joke. I was thinking about asking you that, like, did, did that take multiple? I mean, there's a, there's a time you scream in this movie. Did that, yeah. did was it one take? Was it, let's see if you do another one. Was it a couple takes and you picked the best one or how did that happen? <laughs> um, it, well, do you, I, well, I don't want to give any. I know I'm, try, I'm trying to tiptoe around it. We're right at the edge of spoilers here, so guys, yeah, let's maybe Mike, Mike, let's let's pause here. I'll do the host thing. Put in your spoiler warning, Mike, and we got to get into it, and it's going to start off with the screen. All right, <laughs> spoilers ahead. But more than anything, we're gonna have some fun, and hopefully, yeah, it's the start of a beautiful relationship. What do you say? Sounds weird, Andy. Hi, uh, I'm Lisa. This is a spoiler warning. So we are here, we are talking with Amy Rutledge. We are going to go into spoilers for Rent-A-Pal now. You heard us tease it at the end of the non-spoiler section there, but we're talking about Amy's scream. Uh, specifically, when you notice the mother is thrown down the stairs, you let out this blood-curdling scream. Was that a one-take thing, or was that, let's see you do a couple of them, and then you're exhausted by the end of it, or how, what happened there? Yeah, I think um, I think from doing the horror films, I've got it down pretty well right now, so I think we only did it like once or twice just for a season. It is a great horror movie scream, I will say. I was impressed by it. <laughs> Thanks. I was actually worried. Um, so when I run out the door at the end, I'm screaming outside. I don't know if you can even like hear or notice, yeah. but I was really worried about that because there's been times where I've done stuff, and like people actually think it's real and like cops were called. And so I was like, listen, I'm not going to go outside and scream in Denver, Colorado. This is peaceful, like, you oh know, goodness, happy yeah. little town in the middle of the night. And I'm like, we can we please? And I was like, can we please like film these like on the soundstage? And so I like ran around just to get like my energy up the soundstage. Everyone was like watching and I had a mic- microphone there and they were recording sound, um, which they did all my phone conversations too. They we did mm-hmm. it that day. And I just like ran around for some time just to like get my energy up. And then I was just like screaming into the mic for like three minutes. And then they were, and then Jimmy and we were done. Was, Jimmy was like the producer. He was like, now we got a horror film. Everybody. <laughs> I was like applauding and like, you know, I felt really good. It actually like kind of collapsed after because I was like running around and I couldn't breathe. And- <laughs> right. right. I imagine it takes a lot out of you, especially if you have to do it repeatedly. Yeah, so that screen was put in, you know, in post, of course. But um, that one blood-curdling screen I had was, that's real. <laughs> well, you nailed it, and it was awesome. Thanks. And I'm glad we're starting kind of at the end, because this movie really comes together for me. And I had to rewatch it a couple of times after that ending, and I was so happy for it, because you guys, you got, like, an Oscar-nominated film last year, an Oscar-winning film. You got that story I don't want to spoil that film, but it, everybody knows it. All right, fine. It's Joker. That story. <laughs> Joker. You guys did Joker better than Joker. Like, I thought yeah, Joker did. was... Per- <laughs> it was... No, per- you did. In all seriousness, yeah. Absolutely. It, it, it was preposterous the way they took that story of Arthur Fleck and turned him into a supervillain, and Mike and I railed against it. But mm-hmm. here in Rent-A-Pal, you guys are talking about that kind of psychological horror, and... I just think your character goes through so much in that final scene because throughout your performance, you have to have such 
strong feelings for David. Like, you don't even agree to date this guy unless you have strong feelings for him off of, you know, the, the tape that you watch, the three, the longer version, thank God. You, you didn't see the shorter version, otherwise you're not in the movie. So yep. <laughs> what is that like where you are bringing so much into one scene, into, one, you know, such a short amount of time where your feelings about someone have to do like a 180 in a finale there? I honestly, that's a really good question. I feel like I didn't even think about it. I just, it kind of just happened. Hmm. Um, I, I wish I could give a more profound uh, <laughs> answer <laughs> for this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess because I was so prepared already for like, you know, that was when I had, when I came back again. So I was like extra prepared for this. And I think... You know, actually, like, I feel like pulling from my own life, to be honest, because, like, I've been in some pretty awful relationships with people, um, you know, that were not, you know, healthy. And I think that definitely, and not even, like, realizing it at the time when I was preparing, like, that definitely, I think, helped me get into that position of, like, you know, an abusive situation with someone that could change so in an instant since I've lived that already a lot. um, I think that actually just kind of, like, paved the way for me, to be honest. And I didn't even have to think about it. Um, that's interesting. I just had that realization now. So thanks for wow. <laughs> bringing that up to me. <laughs> so the morality play reading of this story is for a long time that you're the kind of the angel on David's shoulder. Andy, videotape Andy, a.k.a. Will Wheaton, he's kind of that devil on the other side. It's very Faustian what we got going on here. And I love how... You know, you're the type of actor who deserves to be in a horror movie like this because you de- you deserve to be the one to tell your truth uh, on on surviving a story like this. And David doesn't. You you have to become the hero of this narrative. I guess I'm rambling, but I guess where I'm trying to get to is that you have to direct your performance. Mm-hmm. You can focus it on scene to scene. You can internalize it. And, and you, you have the reps in your career to be able to do so. You have the craft to be able to do so. But I'm wondering if, as a storyteller, or, or I wondered if you're concerned with telling the story and, and functioning as a role in the, uh, in the plot. Because this plot is basically you versus Andy, Lisa versus Andy for David. Are you directing any of your performance that way to where you're going at Andy a little bit in, in, in the scene in the basement where he's on the television screen, apparently? Do you see yourself playing the angel in the angel versus devil role, or do you see yourself, or do you see just Lisa being the girlfriend here? Um, I, I see myself as kind of like the shining light in his life, like the only, yeah. <laughs> like the only <laughs> happiness, the only joy the only shining light that he really has. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I thought so much about, you know, me versus Andy. Like, I think I kind of tried to just play my scenes as if, like, I didn't know, mm-hmm. like, I didn't know that he was, you know, watching these films down in the basement, like, over and over and over and becoming, you know what I mean? So, and she actually doesn't know that. So I think yeah. I kept it very separate. Um and then, you know, when she has that, you know, where it's like this creepy guy, I think she's more disappointed that she thought she had a connection with someone and then things got weird. And wow. on, on the human romantic level. Yeah. So you're actually 
able to just focus on the scene to scene and you know john's doing this in the editing because he's literally juxtaposing your scenes the lisa scenes with the andy scenes and that's the central conflict in this movie which is just so brilliantly well written and it felt like he tricked me into you know your performance going at andy a little bit and i i guess that's the magic of editing that's just that's absolutely fascinating to me yeah <laughs> that's such a good question too and it's pulled off because of the brilliance in your performance, to be just quite honest, Andy. So I, I, when, since it is, you know, if Lisa and Andy are kind of the angel and the devil in this situation, metaphorically, just logistically, how did it work in the basement? Like, was Will actually on the screen while you and, 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 and Brian were having these scenes and he was, Will was in the middle of you? Was it a green screen? Was it actually Will on VHS and the VHS was paused? Was it a live feed? Just how did they pull that off for yeah. those scenes? Well, I actually, when we did those scenes, it was before Will had even, um, had even filmed his stuff yet. Um, so it was, I believe it was a green screen on the, 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 uh, old television and we just kind of had to react. Um, gotcha. you know, we knew what happened obviously. And he just kind of, John just directed us. And then, um, and I even think the end scene where Brian kind of transformed sort of into Andy, um, he didn't have the footage of Will doing that yet. So he was, oh, wow really nervous about doing that because he wanted to, you know, emulate him and he couldn't because he didn't have Will's footage. Um, and they filmed all Will's stuff on a soundstage later. Um, but then it ended up working out because since we got postponed for that last scene, he ended up getting Will's footage after all. So he was able to sort of like copy like the way he talks and like, you know, this is this. This sounds like the production that the universe just forced together in many ways. Like this, it's all sounds so serendipitous that it's too good to be true. Yeah, yeah, it totally was, and that's how I I keep saying, you know, I knew there was something really special about it just because of all those orchestrations that were just right. miraculous. <laughs> well, I'm so glad we got a couple of these spoiler questions in, and in a in a way, we didn't necessarily spoil the movie all that badly, so people could have listened to this and still, you know, have to watch this movie again. So I, I've asked you some big questions today, like explain to me acting, you know, let me deal with my <laughs> my issues with those 1990 jeans. And you know, basically, you know, uh, are you a storyteller as much as you're an actor? I've asked some big questions. We, Mike and I try to end on lighter notes for these episodes. So, so for a final question, as an Italian, <laughs> I have to ask you about what your perspective on lasagna yeah, it's going to be going forward because you almost lost the movie. Like you won this movie, Amy. You yeah. won it. Elisa wins the movie, but you almost lost that lasagna on the floor. <laughs> Are you going to have lasagna in your nightmares going forward? No. First of all, I, lasagna is probably my favorite meal. Oh, and, um, you don't come with a lasagna uncovered. First of all, <laughs> my Very family good. is Italian, so. <laughs> Uh, um, and yeah, so that I was actually a little grossed out because I was sitting in that lasagna for a, a while. Oh, and, oh no! <laughs> um, and it's it smelled. It was like a Stouffer's, like a pre, you know, one of those like you bake. It's like frozen Stouffer's. Blasphemy! Ugh! Absolutely. <laughs> 
And like my stepdad makes the best lasagna like ever. Um, but I'm not grossed out by it. Like I, I still love lasagna. But um, to be honest, like that actually was very slippery. And I actually fell for real in real life. Wow. <laughs> so that fall was real. I mean, I was were like, you supposed to? Yeah, I was supposed to, but they were like, oh, all right. be careful, like, get the knee pads on, and I couldn't get the knee pads on with those tight-ass acid watch jeans on, <laughs> but I was like, guys, I'm just gonna fall, like, it's fine, like, I'm gonna be okay, you know, and so I actually really did, and it, like, worked out perfectly, but, like, I was actually slipping, because someone, like, made a comment, someone called me yesterday, they were like, come on, with that lasagna, like, was it that slippery, like, you almost lost your life to the lasagna, I was so pissed. <laughs> And I was like, it was so slippery. That was real. Like, me trying to crawl through and grab onto that doorknob was absolutely 100% real. I could not do it. And so <laughs> that was fun. But, yeah, like, sitting in it, like, in between takes, I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's, it's, Fugazi, it's Fugazi lasagna. And you knew that. Growing, I mean, you're from Jersey, right? So I'm you, you know it is. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So you knew it, from and Sicily. So you know. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you compartmentalized that. That that was the answer I needed to get from you. So I, I really appreciate it. It's not real lasagna. It's fugazi lasagna, and I can still love lasagna forevermore. And so will I. So thank you. <laughs> uh, this was absolutely, absolutely a joy and a delight. Amy, we cannot thank you enough for, for joining us and agreeing to this and showing us behind the curtain here for everything with Rentapal. I think this movie is going to be a huge hit. I think you're going to be a huge hit. This was awesome. And we, I mean, we, you could not have been nicer and more pleasant to talk to. So thank you so, so thank much for, for coming on and sharing this time with us. Oh my god, I'm I'm truly honored. I'm like smiling ear to ear, like bursting almost in tears. I'm like crying all the time lately. It's like <laughs> I'm so happy and excited, and I'm just like crying. And so I'm just really honored. And you guys have been a wonderful, and I had so much fun talking to you. So thank you so much again for well, having me. Hopefully, we could do it again sometime. I, I promise you, it is our pleasure. So thank you once again, and hopefully, we will be able to talk to you very soon. Uh, we will close out uh, the Rent a Pal review once we hang up with Amy. Amy, thank you so very very much again Thank we'll you. talk to you soon all right bye-bye great interview cannot be more thankful and grateful to amy to tammy to the people at ifc midnight to the rentapal crew for letting us uh have this conversation in this interview i said to you mike already it's just it's nice to see good things happen to good people and mm-hmm. that's what i really feel like happened here i mean she kills it in this movie and we could not be more excited for the movie and for people to get their hands on it and see it for themselves and it's like reaffirming that the, the, guys, there's a reason why these movies are good, and when when a personal story yeah. works, and when a horror movie that takes on these ridiculously tall, high stakes, when these movies work, usually there's 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 truth behind it. There's real people behind it making this story happen and telling such a personal story. So the, the yeah, Amy's an example of that. She's been through the ringer uh, in, in her life, and she told us, you know, she skimmed the surface on some of that today. Uh, if you research her, I mean, she's, I'm just so, I'm so inspired by her example and her capabilities uh, to, to have this profession working out for her so well at this point. So just, yeah, kudos to everybody involved. It's, it's, it's been a thrill to, you know, promote this, uh, to do our part. It's one of those movies that we want to get behind is what yeah, I'm trying to say. Absolutely. 
As always, when we are fortunate enough to have a guest join us, our words of wisdom for you are you should follow that guest, and mm-hmm. that especially rings true for someone the quality and caliber of Amy. You can find her on Instagram. She is Amy Rutledge 443 R-U-T-L-E-D-G-E. She is Amy Rutledge Actor, all one word, on Facebook, and Amy M. Rutledge, M as in Michael, R-U-T-L-E-D-G-E again. That is her handle on Twitter. Yeah, meditatewithamy.com and amyrutledge.net are her two websites. They came up uh, in our interview today. But yeah, go and check out her websites. And uh, I think, Mike, you and I, we, you know, we need to meditate with Amy, literally and figuratively. It's going to help <laughs> I'm us. I'm telling you, I'm going to take her up on that. I'm, I'm sincerely going to it try her It sounded like a joke during this episode. It's not a joke. Like, we really need to do something. <laughs> I'm quitting smoking. You're you're dealing with some health issues right now that are just, just above and beyond what you've been dealing with, you know, all the while. And, uh, we are yeah. two men in desperate need of inner peace. So hopefully Amy can help us in a variety of ways uh, with that, not only being such an awesome interview in her own right, but uh, as always, dear listener, we want to hear from you. If you have seen rent a is it something that is on your radar? Or do you have expectations or excitement for it? Have you seen it already? Let us know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about the movie, about this interview with Amy, or about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You could, as always, leave us any of those on our social medias. We are Mike Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Mike Mike and Oscar on Instagram. We are at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including an especially Apple podcast. If you are listening to us on Apple podcasts, if you would be so kind as to tap on the Apple podcast app, scroll down and leave us a five star review. It would take all of about five seconds out of your day and make our entire day. Michael, we told the good people the words of wisdom. So why don't you tell them what's coming next from MMO? So we're going to do another Oscar race checkpoint because in the last Oscar race checkpoint, we only got through half of our Google document that we had prepared (laughs) for you. And since more news has dropped and can be updated. So look, I mean, guys, we haven't talked to each other in a while. We're very talkative. The sizes of some of my questions for Amy today is an example of this. (laughs) The length of the outro is another... (laughs) But obviously, like we're we're really excited to have an award season to talk about, to have all these fall film festivals, to have all these great trailers. So we we got a lot of cool stuff to get into. We're catching up on some of it for the end of your week. Otherwise, we got the New York Film Festival coming down the pike, Mike. We're going to start to take a lot of those one-night-only premieres in, and uh, we're going to talk about them going forward on the show. Non-spoilers again, so don't worry. We're not going to spoil you on uh, Nomadland or whatever that we see early, but uh, that's coming too. It's beginning to feel a lot like Oscars, (laughs) which we desperately needed in 2020. I rambled on. I rambled on. And that is what you waited to come back in with. Can I tell you, in all honesty, I was dying the entire time you were rambling because I had that in my head from the moment you started speaking. And And you had to to say it. You had to sing it. You didn't just have to say it. You had to sing it. Good job. Guys. As always, when reality sucks, you can come hang out, listen to some interviews with some awesome people, and watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.